Bibles now to the book of First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. And, and what a what a joy and privilege it is to be able to preach this morning. Glad to see you all here in church. And, and our fears don't stand a chance, do they? We're standing the power of the love of the Lord. I'm glad to see you all today. First Peter chapter three. And um, we're going to read this morning verses eight through twelve. Would you uh, stand as we give reverence to the Word of God today? As we read First Peter chapter three, verses eight. Through 12. And today's message is titled, Set Apart to Be a Blessing. Set Apart to Be a Blessing. Let's start here in verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Lord, thank you so much for the blessing of being here today to be able to worship and enjoy and adore you, God. Thank you for the power and the truth that's found in your word. And I pray that as a church family, we would be moved to be a blessing to one another, to be a blessing as the church, to be a blessing outside of these church walls to those who are in desperate need of relationship with Jesus Christ. Show us today in your word what it looks like to be a blessing to others. Empower us today, God. Unify us. Unify us through your spirit, through your bond of peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you have toddlers? How many of you have toddlers? All right. A handful. How many of you have had toddlers before? All right. All right. How many of you would like to have another toddler? Raise your hand. Nobody. Okay. Now, now, now how many of you act like toddlers? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And now, now uh, Tara and I, we, we've had, we've had a, a few toddlers before, um, and, and, and we're survivors. Uh, some of you are survivors as well. Toddlers, they kind of have their, their own set of rules, you know, uh, uh, their own code of living, so to speak. By the way, a toddler is someone between the ages of 12 months to 36 months, uh, one, to, one to three years old. But, but listen to these personal property laws, so to speak, uh, of a toddler that I found. Number one, if a toddler sees something and they like it, it's theirs. Rule number two, if it's in my hand, a toddler says, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. <laughs> if I had it a little while ago, it's still mine. If it's mine, I, and, and I've never, and it appears to be yours, don't get me wrong, it's mine. If I'm putting something together, all the pieces that go with that togetherness, they're mine. If it looks just like mine, might, you might think it's yours. If it looks like mine, it's still mine. Okay? If I saw it first, it's mine. If you were playing with something and put it down, it's now mine. And rule number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> Now, if, if, if uh, you have a toddler or you are a toddler, you know, such silly rules, uh, they're all right. You know, they're, they're cute at times. But, but you know, we, we pray that they'll grow out of that phase. But 
Believers in Christ are not called, they're not set apart, they're not saved to act like toddlers. If you do, if you do, we've got some issues. A believer in Christ is not looking out for me. A believer in Christ is not looking out for myself. A believer in Christ is not looking out for what is mine. We're focused on others. We're focused on you. Not me, but you. Not self, but others. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been, uh, we've been looking at, we've been listening to, uh, we, I hope and pray that we've been prayerfully obeying uh, God's word through Peter in the first century to believers that were written in, uh, written in Asia Minor in the first century. And starting in chapter 2, Verse 11, the apostle Peter began focusing on how believers, believers are Christians, how they are called to be set apart in living before the world in the Lord. Now, now because, but the truth of the matter is this, the, the unbelieving world is watching us, okay? Whether we believe that or not, the unbelieving world is watching us day by day. And, and, and the way that we live before those who are lost, the way that we live before those who do not know Christ, who are far from God, our, our lifestyle, our, our living, our speaking, our doing, that can have an eternal impact on, on someone's life. And, and so Peter has covered a, a number of, of issues all, all, all around the word uh, submission. And he's been, he's been sharing how our submission uh, to earthly vessels, our submission to those who have earthly authority, our submission to earthly relationships will reflect in a way, somehow, some way, will reflect uh, heavenly submission, okay? Our submission to our heavenly Father. And here's what I've tried to teach the last few weeks. If we fail to submit to the Lordship of Christ, if we fail to submit to the reign of Jesus over our lives, it's going to be incredibly difficult to honor and, and, and respect and submit uh, to the Lord, but also to those relationships that he's blessed us with here. Submission is a hard word for us today. We're, we're not easily drawn to it. We're not easily uh, yielding to others' wishes or demands or laws or rules. It can be a challenge. Uh, but, but as we have found in 1 Peter, it's more of a lordship issue if we struggle to submit. It's a worship issue. Because it's, it's all about honoring Christ and, and glorifying Christ. And, and the reality is this. If I struggle and, and I won't submit to those who have civil authority or governing authority, or, or, or if I won't submit to my boss, if I won't submit uh, to my spouse, then how am I ever going to submit to God? I, I'm called to a life of obedience and submission. Now, now I've, I've read about uh, Arabian horses and, and how they're trained. They, they are trained rigorously in mid, mid, Middle Eastern deserts. And, and the horses have to learn to obey, fully obey their master. And the way that they test this out is this. For days, for days they will not give the, the trained horse water. And they will, and they will uh, 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 keep it from water for those days. And, and, and then... To, to make sure the training has stuck, they'll take the horses out into, uh, out into the desert or, or, or to a nearby body of water that they have placed. And here's the rule. Here's the rule. The horses can get as close to the water as they want. But as soon as they stoop down uh, to have a drink, their owner, their master, will blow a whistle. And here's, and here's the test. If the horse will go to the master, the master will give the horse the water that is so desperately needed. However, however, if the horse draws water from the source that has been placed there and doesn't listen to the whistle, they have not fully 
obey. Uh, Their obedience is being tested. Our obedience in Christ is being tested. How we respond to those that God has appointed or allowed or blessed us to serve under is a test of our obedience to God's rule and word over my life. Now, now up to this point, Peter has covered uh, in his letter three areas uh, of social interaction for our involvement. We talked about government. We talked about work. We we talked about home life. And, And our role in all three can be summed up in one difficult word what has been that word over the last three weeks submit submission now listen i feel like i've lied to you because i think somewhere along the lines last week in the message i said you wouldn't hear that word again i'm sorry about that but but listen uh uh the the word submit is going to be is going to be heard again today submit to governing authorities submit to your employer submit to your spouse but now peter brings us to a, a fourth area And that area is the church. It's to the church. He doesn't use the word submit. He uses all kinds of other words, though, to talk about how we are to be among one another. Now, this portion of the letter belongs totally to those who are a part of the church. Now, before I go on, I'm not going to to be so foolish or to assume to believe that everybody here understands what it means to be a part of of the church. I'm not talking about your attendance. I'm not talking about your involvement. I'm not talking about your affiliation. I'm talking about the church, being in God's church, being in God's family, because you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you belong to the church. That is the only way to be a part, a true part of the church, to know Christ as your Savior, to know him as your Lord. You believe on him. You've made a commitment to follow Jesus. You've made a commitment to serve Christ and obey Christ and love Christ and share Christ with your life. That's the way in to the church. And that's who Peter is writing to. Peter is writing to verse 8. It says, finally, all of you, all of you, he's writing to us. He's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians who are going to be spending their lives together, okay, serving together in community together. And it's very fitting, it's very fitting that he wrote about the church last to sum it all up. That, that this relationship, these relationships that we have in the body of Christ will prove vital as you try to live out your calling to be set apart. I cannot imagine, folks, I cannot imagine trying to live my life without you, without the body of Christ, without the church. Your church family, my church family, we're, we're, all, we're oftentimes being watched And how you are to one another speaks volumes to how you will be to those on the outside looking in. Now, now we have guests here uh, all the time, every week. And and, and listen, I I love seeing our guests. And and oftentimes what I try to do is I try to reach out to those visitors and and, and those guests. um, And and I want to see how they are. I want to see who they are. But I also want, want to see how we are. And and so so oftentimes I, I find it encouraging when, when Midway is, is visited or, you know, we have someone that comes that's, that's new to our church family, I love having the conversation and asking them, well, what do you think about 
the church at Midway. What do you think? I, I love it when, when, when they compliment the church and, and, and when Midway is well spoken of. I love to hear positive things about our church family. Now, now every now and then, every now and then, there's going to be a critique on the pastor. And that's all right. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I am who I am. You know, you get what you get. You don't pitch a fit. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of thing. Some things even the Lord can't do something with. <laughs> all right. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, I love to hear good things. I love to hear good things about you all. And I praise God when, when, when praise is being brought to the Lord on you. Now, I want us to be an attractive church to those who already know the Lord. I want our, our fellowship, uh, I want our fellowship to be so sweet and so contagious and so uplifting to those who are in pursuit uh, of God's will for their family in a church family. But I also desire for our church to be a guiding light to those who don't know Christ, to those who need a relationship with God through Jesus. Uh, in, in the second century, um, there was a church historian. His name was Tertullian. And, and, and he said that, that the Roman government was so suspicious of the early church in their day. They were so suspicious because the church was growing so rapidly that the Roman government sent spies into the church to check out what was happening. Uh, in, in the church because they were growing so strong and, and, and so fast. And one of, the, uh, one of the spies sent word back to the Roman government, and they said, these Christians are very strange people. Would you agree? <laughs> very strange people. They meet in an empty room to worship. They have no image. They speak of no one but the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus is absent. But by the way, they speak of him uh, as if he could return or come at any moment. That's how they live. And, and then my favorite part of this report was, and my, how they love him and how they love one another. That's all the way back from the second century, a report on the church, how they love him and how they love one another. Now, that's a powerful testimony. Okay, uh, and, and wouldn't you like to hear you know, that same response being said of us? We exist. We are set apart to be a blessing um, to, to others. Now, this morning and tonight, I'm going to share with you three ways that we can be a blessing to others. This morning, I'm going to share with you one, okay? One way that we can be a blessing to others is this. Here's, here's where we're going to start. I can be or we can be a blessing to others if we have a good attitude all right if we have a good attitude i want you to take a look just at verse 8 this morning first peter 3 verse 8 peter writes finally all of you now now finally he's, he's finishing the section here okay on how we're to live before the world and he says finally all of you be of one mind having compassion for one another love as brothers be tender-hearted be courteous Everything begins with a good attitude, with the right attitude. I, I was reading about um, the, the differences and the similarities between a hummingbird and a vulture. Okay, both, both fly, all right? That's a similarity. Both fly over our country's deserts. I didn't know that about hummingbirds, but, but, but they do too. Vultures, though, vultures only have an eye for dead stuff. 
right? They have an eye for rotting meat because that's what they're after. That is their attitude. They, they thrive on, on that diet. But hummingbirds, they don't. Instead, hummingbirds look for colorful blossoms. They look for living vessels on desert plants. The vultures, they tend to live on what was. They live off of the past. Hummingbirds live on what is. Okay, they, they live off of life. They seek new life. They fill up on what is good and, and, and fresh and life-filled. Each bird finds what they're looking for. Now, how does that apply to us? Are you a vulture or are you a hummingbird? Think about that. Uh, I want to ask this. What are you after in church family? What are you after in church family? That would be a great conversation starter today in Sunday school. What are you after in your church family, among your brothers and your sisters in Christ? If your attitude, now here, here's the tough part. If you're a vulture, or if you're like a vulture, if, you're, if your attitude is to find fault in everybody, it's not going to take you a long time to realize that none of us in this room are perfect people, okay? Uh, we, we, should, we, we should all be striving towards godliness and holiness, but, but, but that doesn't mean we're going to do so perfectly. Therefore, our attitudes towards other believers should allow for mistake, okay, for, for understanding at times. If our attitude, it, it, okay, here's another, another instance. If our attitude is to be served, you know, seeking what the church can do for you, that kind of attitude, complaining about what they don't do for you, that's what you're going to get. If that's what you're after, if that is your attitude, that's what you're going to get. If you're after someone to judge, if you're after someone to gossip about, I'm sure that you'll be easy or easily find it. If you're after something to critique, it's not going to take you long to find something to critique. But if you're after friendship, if you're a hummingbird, if you're after friendship, if you're after support, if you're after faithfulness and, and a worshipful atmosphere, if you're after love among the brothers and the sisters in this place, you're not going to have to search long. You will find it every single time. You get what you come after. Now, what is your attitude towards the church? Is it good? Uh, Peter uses five key characteristics about how our attitudes can be godly, how they can be good. Um, but they can be summarized with this one word, and that word is love. Okay, uh, he, he begins by saying, be like-minded. Have a good attitude by being a companion. All right, be a companion. The word like-minded means companionable. It means compatible. Now, now, is this possible? I'm asking this question. Is this possible for all of us to be like-minded? Is that possible for us to be like-minded? The words, uh, the words actually mean of one mind. The word harmony comes from the word like-minded, uh, to be of one mind. Um, it actually means without conflict in the mind. Now, most of the time, folks, if we're, if we're walking in the flesh and, and from our society's perspective, we can only be like-minded if you agree with me. All right, or, or vice versa, if I agree with you. Now, now, Peter's not talking about being a robot here. He, he, he's, not, he's not talking about being programmed to do the same things. Everybody is the same way. We're not talking about uh, using the same words all the time. We're not talking about using um, the same phrases all the time. We're not talking about wearing the same clothes or having the same haircut. If that were the case, then I would be the only different one here today, right? No, 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 Clint, where's Clint? He's bald. There you are. Okay, I'm not alone. 
All right? Uh, but what if I said, you all had to be like me? <laughs> Okay, think about that. Uh, he's not talking about looking the same. He's not talking about doing the same things. We, we've all got our differences. Look, let's play a game, shall we? Okay, who prefers online shopping or store shopping? Say, 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 which one do you prefer? Store shopping, raise your hand. Online shopping, raise your hand. Hey, there's differences. Okay, who likes to listen to music in the car or talk on the radio? If you like talk on the radio, raise your hand. You rather hear somebody talk. If you like music in the car, raise your hand. Aha, uh-huh. see, some differences. Who, or since we're talking about cars, who here enjoys a Ford? Who here does not enjoy a Ford? Oh, okay, there's a few, see? See what, see what I'm saying? Um, uh, let's see, it's National Ice Cream Day. All right, let's see this. Who enjoys chocolate ice cream over vanilla ice cream? Who, who, who prefers vanilla ice cream over chocolate ice cream? How many of you are like me and prefer like Butterfinger or Reese's ice cream over any of them? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. You see what I mean? We, we've all got our differences, but here's what Peter's talking about. Being a companion in Christ, uh, that, that, means, that means sharing the same goals, the same intentions, the same values, the same in Christ. Okay, we're going to have our differences. We're talking about in the church. We're going to have our differences. Some of you prefer a different translation of the Bible than I do. That's fine, okay? We'll agree, we'll agree to disagree there. That, that's not a heaven or hell split kind of thing, right? Uh, some, of you, some of you prefer more modern music. Some of you prefer more, more traditional music. Hey, that, that's not a splitting issue, all right? We've got, we've got our opinions. We've got our preferences, okay? If the goal is to uplift Christ, to, if the goal is to love one another in the Lord, to reach the law, to make disciples, to worship the Lord. Hey, we have something major in common, all right? And and so here we go. We should all seek to have a good attitude towards our compatibility, our our companion ability, so to speak. Sure, we may have different opinions on a specific passage in the Bible, or we may have a different idea of how missions uh, should be carried out in the church or how a service should be conducted. But if Christ is the goal... That's all that matters. He is all that matters. We easily lose our way. We easily get caught up in in just temporary things, trivial things that will not bring us together but may bring us apart. And, And that's not what it's all about. In Peter's day, that was not the way to live. You've got to understand, these Christians were under a lot of pressure. They were in a lot of persecution, and they were living before the world their testimony. And, and if they were divided, if they were, if they were, if they if they were disunified, if they couldn't agree on Christ, how would that affect their fruit? How would that affect their witness? And would that make targets out of others? Okay, think about being a companion, having a good attitude in companionship. I want you to flip back for a moment to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Okay, just, just take a hard left. Philippians 1, I'm going to read to you a few verses from this text. Philippians 1, verse 27. The apostle Paul had something to say about our, our, our being companions to one another, having the attitude of Christ. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that 
from God. And then you go to chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. There it is again. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And then he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. Galatians three twenty-eight says, we are one. In Christ Jesus, we should be known for our oneness, our unity in mind. So let's be a companion. That's a great way to have a good attitude, to reflect a good attitude get together. Here's the second thing. Let's agree on Jesus. The second thing is this. Let's learn to be compassionate. Your, your attitude reflects your compassion as well. He, he writes in, in verse 8, Finally, all of you be of one mind. And then there's that word, having compassion. Having compassion for one another. Compassion means sympathy. The the Greek word that is used carries the idea that we are supposed to be willing to suffer with one another, to suffer for one another. We're sympathetic. I prefer to be empathetic over sympathetic, but I'm not always able to be empathetic. But I can try to, I can always try to be sympathetic. We we are able to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're able to to weep with those who weep. Why why should we be able to do that? Well, Christ did it for us. He's called us to do the same. We're walking in his steps. We should be willing to ascend to the mountaintops with, with believers who are on the mountaintops. But at the same time, I should be willing to tread through valleys with you too. All right. do, do, do you not think that this was reflected throughout Jesus' ministry? Christ knew how to sympathize in the highs and the lows. Jesus' first opportunity for ministry, his first miracle, was in life's happiest moment, a wedding day. And did you know that Jesus' last miracle was at life's saddest moments, one of the saddest moments? He was at a funeral in John 11. The apostle Peter was, uh, was at both with Jesus. So he saw Christ. At the highs, he also saw Christ Christ in the lows. Our hearts, here's what Peter's writing to us today. Our hearts should go out to our brothers and sisters, whether they're going through a great time of victory or whether they're going through a time of struggle or hardship or trial or defeat. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? This message couldn't have come at a more timely place in my life. It always works this way. I, I have personally struggled with this part this week. Because earlier this week, I had a difficult time showing compassion to someone that had not been so kind to me a little earlier in my life. And, and of course, God doesn't allow me to go without conviction. Okay, so, so as soon as I felt that way, it didn't take 30 minutes, okay, for me to, 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 to be corrected and, and, and to go to that person uh, with a humble heart and, and quickly had to come out of that. We're supposed to share in compassion, all right? Uh, a sympathy. And, and you know what? That requires just to listen. That requires us to, to be there. That requires us to feel with them, alongside of them. And a lot of times, words aren't necessary. Okay? That's the ministry of presence. Now, it may take some time uh, uh, to, to be able to love one another in that way, to show that kind of compassion. But is your church family worth it? To love your brothers in that regard and your sisters in that regard. Our attitude should reflect compassion. Peter also writes, our, our attitude should reflect care. 
Care for each other. Peter writes, Peter writes, love as brothers. The Greek word that is used here is the word phileo. And, and this would have stuck out to Peter. Remember when, when he's being reinstated and, and Jesus asked, do you love me? He asked the first time, he said, do you love me like a brother? Do you have brotherly love for me? Okay, there's a difference, folks, between a friendship love and a family love. All right, family's a little bit deeper, to be honest. Now, I know, I know some of you have friendships, I do too, that, that are just like family. I, I get that. Uh, but there's a deeper love here. The word, the word phileo means a brotherly love. It means I'm closely related to you. And that's the word that they use here. You're to be uh, uh, as in a brotherly love together. It's unselfish. It's far-reaching. It's deeply affectionate for, for one another. And, and here's the thing about the church body. We are not mere strangers among each other. You're my brothers and my sisters. And Scripture says I'm to love you with brotherly love. That means that you are my family, my family in Christ. Look around, okay? Just go ahead and look around this morning and ask yourself, do I see these people? How about this? Make a good, con- make some connection with their eyes. Do that. See if they, see if they will. Do I see that person that I'm looking at right now awkwardly? <laughs> do, do, do I see that person as my family? And, and if you don't, if you haven't gotten to that place yet, here's my question. Can you get a little bit closer? How is that? Is your attitude good? Family means we stay together in both good times and bad. We have a brotherly love. I should have a genuine care, a genuine uh, love uh, uh, for my brothers. And, and you never know when you're going to need it, okay? So show it yourself, all right? Our attitude should also reflect comfort. Peter goes on to write about comfort. He says, love as brothers, and then there's be tenderhearted. That means to be kind-hearted. The word here denotes a powerful feeling from the insides. So, so uh, back, in, back in Peter's day, um, the most powerful seat of emotion came from your bowels, you know, your intestines. That's where we get that intestinal fortitude, you know, when it's said like that. You know, it takes guts, that's what they say. Okay, the deepest part of your emotions come from, come from within. That means that I feel deeply for you. It's the same kind of heart that Jesus had for sinners, he had a comforting heart uh, for, for those around him. Now, now, I know what the temptation is. I understand what the temptation is. When, when another believer does wrong towards you or towards a member of your family uh, or towards a member of the body of Christ, here's what we're, we're so quick. Okay, when something like that goes on, we are so quick to go after them in revenge. Or worse, we want to leave them behind. Okay, that's not what Jesus did for us. One of our, our brothers Wednesday night uh, during, a, during a moment of testimony and praise said in, in praise, he said, I'm thankful that Christ left the 99 who were saved to save me. That's a great, that is a great word, isn't it? Christ came looking for us. Christ was compassionate on us. Christ was forgiving towards us. Christ was not holding grudges against us. Uh, uh, Christ, Christ was not hurting his heart towards us, okay? That's how it should be among us too. Forgive each other and do it quickly, all right? Don't hold a, a record of wrongs. In grudge, don't be bitter. Ask God to give you more and more of a heart like his towards others that we have a hard time getting along with. The world is cruel enough. That's what I'm trying to get to. 
Okay? The world is cruel enough and, and cold enough and callous enough and hard-hearted enough. If you lived in the first century, okay, uh, in Peter's day, they didn't have hospitals and, and, and they didn't have nursing homes for those who were ill or sick. There were no places of refuge for those who, who, who were without, who had disability. They, they did not provide education for those who were weak in mind. There were no shelters. There were no rescue missions. There were no resources for those who were impacted by tragedies that happened throughout your life. There, 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 were, there were no places where you could go when you were going through a hardship. Uh, uh, there, there were no places that you could go when, when you had fallen into sin or, and it had its damaging effects on your life, uh, on, on the mind or the soul or the body. The, the, the old had no place to go. Neither did the sick or abused or addicted or neglected or orphaned or, or starving or, or, or deprived or poor or illiterate or hurting. You, you see, we're blessed to live where we live today because we've got access to all of those places. I mean, you can, you can walk to those places. You, they're in driving distance, but, but not in Peter's day. There, there were no missions. There were no charities. There were no social programs. Compassion, comfort, care, companionship, that's our responsibility. That's what Peter's trying to get out to the body of Christ. You are it, you are your, your, your family. You are your church's family. It is the outcome of knowing that Jesus did something for me, and, and I should share that with, with the world, uh, with one another. Christians must be and should be the most compassionate people on the planet. If we can't find refuge in the church, what hope do we have? Think about that. If I can't find comfort or peace in the church where am I going to find it? If I can't find care or, or compassion, if I can't find true brotherhood in the church, where am I going to find it? Uh, I'm sure that many of you have heard of uh, Jackie Robinson, okay? He, the first African-American player to ever play Major League Baseball. And, and he broke the color, color barrier, but that didn't mean that, that Jackie traveled, you know, scotch-free with, without any hardship. Uh, he received a lot of hostility wherever he went because he's the only black man playing the game. And, and, and so, and so when, when he played in the game, there's a lot of hostility from the fans, even at his home place, okay, in Brooklyn. There were people that were giving him a hard time. Well, one night they were playing in front of a, a capacity crowd, and, and Jackie Robinson made a mistake on the field. I mean, there, it happens all the time. Okay, uh, today, if you make an error, you know, people just go, oh, or they might sigh for a moment. They get over it real fast. But in this particular game, Jackie made an error, and people just became downright rude. And they were, they were awful towards him, cruel, and you know, all racially charged, you know, in, in their response. And, and people were just beating him up, shouting all kinds of obscenities to him, you know, from, from the stands over one mistake. One of the greatest baseball players ever lived made a mistake. And he stood there at second base, and, and his head's down, and his back's towards the fans. He's humiliated. Without saying a word, a fellow player came over, stood next to Robinson, put his arm around him, and as they faced the crowd, the booing, the jeering, the ridicule, it stopped. The man that had his arm around, of course, was a white man. And Robinson later said, that that player's compassion in that moment, that player's comfort in that moment, saved his career. Beloved, we, we sometimes have no idea at all what others around us are going through. You know, I, I, 
I'll admit, a lot of times, you know, we come into the church and we say, hey, how you doing? And, and you know, you shake hands, you give a hug, and you ask that question, how you doing? And, and so many times it's superficial in response. I'm doing fine, but they look like their world is shattered. Or, or you may say, I'm doing good, and you go on, you know, to the next person. I'm guilty of it, too. All right, but, but there are times where we have no idea what, what people are facing underneath this steeple today. Think about this. There are souls that, that hurt, that cry, that feel alone, that may feel discouraged or depressed or anxious or hopeless or helpless, that there are sick people, broken people, hurting people most. There are people that will be under this steeple today that do not know Christ as Savior. And, and Peter is saying today, love one another. Love one another, serve one another, care for one another, forgive each other, help and and be of compassion to one another. The church was meant to be a hospital for hurting people. And Peter Peter wrote uh, when he says, be tenderhearted. It means to be pitiful. Have a tender heart. That's what Jesus was like. You have it towards one another as well. Think about how Christ ministered. He cried for others. Christ, Christ hurt for others. He showed compassion on others. So take a moment and think, do I have a right and good attitude that a set set apart and called Christian is to have? Notice the last thing that he says here in verse 8. Be courteous. Be courteous. Okay, that means to be humble in spirit. That means to be humble-minded. That means others above myself. Can Can we slow down? That's, that's what I want to encourage us with today. Can, 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 we, can we slow down and just sit for a minute? Whatever you, you've got to get to, it can wait, right? And, and, and for moments, can, can, can I ask you the question, how are you? How are you? When you're courteous towards someone, you truly care what's going on through their, through their minds. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about your time. You're not thinking about what you've got to do. You are caring for them in their moment. Luke, um, he used the same words when uh, in Acts chapter 28, verse 7. Luke used the same words, be courteous, when he described how victims of a shipwreck were received on the island of Malta in Acts chapter 28. The the people on the island were courteous to those who had been shipwrecked. Now, I I want to loosely apply that to our faith today. I wonder how many of us this morning are shipwrecked in their relationship with God or shipwrecked in an area in their life. Will you receive them with courtesy today, with a humble heart? Uh, uh, Luke used a a similar word to describe how Paul was treated when when he was in the hands of a Roman centurion in Acts 27. The same word was used for courteous. Uh, In so many words, Peter is saying rudeness in the body of Christ, it's not to be said. It's not to be allowed. All right, think about this. Do you have a godly, good attitude towards the others that are in your church family? Not just to your friends, not to just those that that you're close with that are in your circle. I'm talking about the whole body of Christ. Do you have a good attitude towards them? Are we always going to agree? Nah. Okay, we're, we're we're too diverse for that. There's strength in diversity, by the way, when you put all your different differences together for the same cause when christ is our heart when christ is our goal when loving and serving and being there for each other is the goal we will be like-minded we will be one 
And that's what Jesus desires of, of this church family. We should as well. And so that's what we're going to pray for this morning. That's what we're going to be about this morning, that we would be a blessing in our attitudes towards one another, that we would see and pursue and desire the absolute best in the body of Christ. Can I pray for you this morning? Let's, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes and let, let's go to God this morning in prayer. Father, I, I want to just take a moment and minister to our church family today in prayer. And first, I, I, I want to say thank you, Lord. You, you should be adored and worshiped and praised today for giving us, I mean literally gifting us the body of Christ, for allowing us to be in your family, for everything that you did to make that possible. You were compassionate towards us. You were kind-hearted towards us. You were forgiving towards us. Uh, you, you had open arms towards us. You were comforting towards us. You were considerate. You were a companion towards us. You humbled yourself to the point of death, death on a cross, so that we could be free and be a part and welcomed in to your family, a place at the table because of you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of church family today. And I, and I don't know why it seems to be the theme lately and on Wednesday night studies, and it's definitely the theme now in the book of 1 Peter, but unity is so vital and it's so easily lost in the body of Christ. There are fellowships around us that do not have what we have today in the Lord. There are fellowships today that divide over, over trivial things, Things that have no eternal difference or make no eternal difference or impact. Churches that actually limit who they reach and how they reach because they're so self-centered and so self-serving. And I pray against that at Midway. I pray against that in any body of Christ that's around us throughout the world. I pray that the church would reflect the unity and the oneness that we have in the Lord and that when people see our family, our church family, they see Christ and they see, they see unity. They see oneness. They see your son. We are to be a reflection of the glory of God in our relationships inside and outside the church. And today I pray, Lord, for unity to be protected and valued and, and cherished in this church. I pray for a genuineness in heart this morning. I pray for true love and compassion among the brothers. I pray that everybody would slow down, would take time to get to know one another, would take time to visit one another, would take time to, to truly love and care for the needs that, that are in this church. Asking that simple question uh, with, with listening ears, how are you today? Is there any way I can pray for you? Is there any way I can help you? Is there any way I can be there for you? Pray for love to flood this place, this, peop this people today. Right, Lord, this morning there may be some that, that have never been a part of a church family before because they don't have a relationship with Christ. The way into the body of Christ is to know Jesus. And so, God, if there, if there are souls here that have never surrendered their heart to Christ, if they've never put their faith in Jesus, they can be a part of your church through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray that if, there, if there's someone today listening or that's here, that's never given their heart to Christ, that today they would. 
I pray, God, that we would lay our burdens down this morning. If there, if, there, if there are things that we need to be prayed over and prayed for, if there are circumstances in our lives that, that, that we need our brothers and sisters to surround us in, I pray that we would not be ashamed. I pray that we would not be afraid. I pray we would not be embarrassed to ask the church to pray for me. I pray that we would be willing to go across the aisle today, and if there's someone on our hearts to lift up, that we would place hands on them and pray for them and encourage them. I pray for those that, that are being led to be a part of the church here at Midway. Maybe, God, you're moving someone's heart or family's heart today to be a part of our family, and I hope that they know the doors are open for them to be a part here. We are one in Christ. So, God, have your will and your way in this time of invitation. If anything needs to be done today, if there's, if there's something for us to obey, if there's something for us to do, I pray that we would do so in obedience. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you, if you need to respond in any way to this message, if there's any way that we can minister to you this morning, you come, all right? Um, but, but you come as God leads.